1: Amy is a multidisciplinary artist and the recipient of a National Endowment for the Arts Visual Artists Fellowship Grant in the category of painting. She attended Pratt Institute and has made her home in East Hampton, New York since 1967, where she lives with her husband of 47 years, author Monty Farber. Amy has sold her one-of-a-kind art couture jackets, coats, and caftans at Bergdorf Goodman for 22 years, along with her unique jewelry designs. She has exhibited her mixed media work extensively in many one-person and group shows. Her mixed media collages illustrate the best-selling spiritual books and oracles that she has created with Monty, with nearly 3 million copies in print in 18 languages. Amy, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks
1: for having me. I am so delighted that you're here. I actually interviewed you and your husband on my other podcast, Leading Visionaries. And so for those of you who are listening here at Wikileaks Smart Women, you can definitely also go over to Leading Visionaries and check out that interview with both of them. But this is, this is you today, Amy. And so I want to start our conversation about, you know, the role, the importance of of art and creativity and beauty in the world, especially as the world seems to be becoming more and more
2: dark. Yes. I I mean, it's so important in our lives. I come from a family of artists, so I was always surrounded by my grandfather's paintings and my sister's art and my mother's art. And it was a natural way of life. And I just, Growing to be an artist myself, the power of color is so important. And as a fashion designer, feeling yourself, feeling protective, feeling beautiful. So in all areas of life, art is everywhere. It's on us, it's in us, it's around us. And sometimes I think people don't take that into consideration. Luckily, with the oracles that we do, I know people look at art that way all the time. Uh, and it's beautiful how popular that is now, but we can can make conscious choices of what to put in feng shui. I totally believe in, you know, what you put where and how to balance your environment, and that creates like a nest, and we all need our sanctuaries to truly be ourselves and to feel safe and comfortable, and we are bombarded with toxic news. We're bombarded with Illusion of you know what's real and what's not real. So we have to make our own world. My husband and I call our business the Enchanted World, and that's what we believe in.
1: Mm, Well, and your world is very enchanting. I actually got my very first book from you and your husband was about relationships, and it was like a book that had the oracle in the back of the book. I can't remember the title right now, but it was Light and Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the book. that's the book and that book was very a uh, well worn book i loved oh, i loved you. the idea of of the words and then having the book that you could just open to the oracle pages so you're you're right about oracles now amy are much more popular than they were i mean tarot has always been had its own kind of subculture but in the last i would say 20 years it seems that oracles have been oracle decks card decks For those who aren't sure what I'm talking about there, Tarot and Oracle decks have become exponentially more popular. And you and Monty have been really on the forefront of of paving the path and opening the way for (laughs) hundreds of thousands now of, of Oracle card decks. So I'd love to have you talk about what was it like for you when you first started to put your work out into the world? And what has it been like for you to see the huge impact that your work has had on the world?
2: I think, well, being an artist, I, I think originally I thought I'd show in galleries and, you know, find a dealer. And, you know, that didn't really happen for me that way. And um, because of magic and synchronicity, we found publishing doors open for us. And this was back in 19... 19- 86, I think we started to make the contacts, and our Enchanted Tarot came out in 1990. And as an artist, the vehicle of the tarot that has all of life in it, 78 cars, to explore that was such a a high, a turn-on, exciting. And then to see it go out in the world and people experiencing my art, it was better than any gallery show that lasts for two weeks, right? So I know people keep them by their bed and in the beginning, this was uh, so long ago that we would actually get handwritten letters in the mail and people saying that they were gifted our deck. It was their first deck. We still get that, that you know, their mother handed it down to them. It's been in print for so long. And I think it just sort of generated one thing after the other, where we were at in our life would generate another oracle, another project that would reflect the knowledge we had gained at that point in our life and layered, added on to our metaphysical life. You know, we use it, we, we only put into our books what works for us. And the collaboration of Monty's words and my art, it's it's so spiritual and it, it binds, a, you know, it's our gears that work together in, in a perfect way because I admire his art form, he admires mine. And, and somehow we've just made this collaboration that is it, pretty wonderful. It's Mm. a pretty wonderful way of life because we're always growing. And I think that's key Mm. to always experiment. Yeah, beautiful. So
1: let's talk about this idea of being an artist. You know, the traditional art is galleries and shows and all of those things. And for you to be able to actually have. Kind of people who might not ever even walk into an art gallery are really enjoying and receiving benefit from the beauty of your art. That's such a powerful thing. But you also have done shows. So you also have done gallery, you know, showings and so forth. So I'd love to have you talk about a little bit about how you navigate where you're going to show up, what you're going to do in terms of of showing your art, and how you actually ended up becoming a fashion designer
2: as well. (laughs) I'm very prolific. I mean, I wake up to make art. You know, to me, it's like drinking water, breathing, you know, something I have to do to live and survive, you know, to make a living as an artist. I think when you put your attention and your intention, like what you were doing uh, to start the show, that's where the magic happens. You know, that's how you bring things into your life. It's not always the way you think it's going to happen, but I think people can learn something from from my career path that you don't have to do anyone else's career path. That you know, don't compare yourself to you know that that artist does it this way or that writer does it that way. I think there's so many more options now that people ways for people to get work out into the world and you know we have a whole oracle based on the creative process of pitching you know one of the cards is about pitching and one of the cards is about keeping going and you know all the things that we've encountered you do get rejected you know it's not like everyone always loves what you're doing but I started showing when I started doing the tapestry work like behind me and and that's how I do my art it's mixed media fabric collage and so in the 70s, when I started doing that, I immediately started showing. I think I do all the things simultaneously, and because it was so hard to describe what I do—mixed media, fabric collage, tapestries—I started putting them on jackets, just so. So I'm an impatient Aries. I would just point to my back. This is what I do, <laughs> and I ran into you know this the magic of synchronicity. I ran into an old friend who she saw it, she said, Oh my God, I love this. She said, I could sell these. And she said, I work at Burger Goodman in New York. And I, I had never even been there, or maybe I'd been there once. And they looked at me like I was shoplifting, you know, when I was young. <laughs> it's a very high end store. It's like a, the big, you know, the most luxurious store in the world. And I had maybe five jackets at the time. She brought me into the buyer and they took me right away. It was one of those things that obviously was destined. You have mm-hmm. the book, Destiny. I see the word destiny behind you. Mm-hmm. And I was not trained as a fashion designer. And this is the thing that people have to take an opportunity, right, when it comes and not think, oh, I can't do that, or I'm not up to the task. You know, what? my mother was a freelance artist, so she was always very encouraging about taking jobs. You know, you'll figure out how to do it, right, along the way. Well, I certainly <laughs> figured out a lot about, fashion design because I've been there for 23 years and but I always loved it as a kid and I think that's a, that's another key to follow your passions to do what you really love, mm, I love I've that. always had the opportunity to do that
1: yeah I'm so glad you have I want to talk just a little bit about the intersection of art and spirituality, because Mm. your art very much intersects with spirituality. But kind of from a broader perspective, what are your thoughts on, you know, creativity and art and that spiritual connection?
2: I I totally think it's a a healing balm, because Mm. it's an introspective process, you get to examine your thoughts, you get to clear out your thoughts. I mean, a lot of times I describe it as stepping aside, you know, like channeling, And that's like taking a shower, you know, something that's higher than ourselves. That's the spiritual element. And um, that's why I love to do it so much, because it teaches me so much. I, I gain access to information, whether it's the Akashic Records or universal messages I allow to come through me. So it takes you out of the petty, everyday stuff. And that's what true spirituality helps you rise you can say higher, maybe it's broader. It's an expansive experience because you're, you're empowering yourself by creating. I mean, that's creation from the get-go, right? I love it. Let's talk a little bit too
1: about the magic of synchronicity. For those listeners who may not know what that means, I'd love to have your take on the magic of synchronicity.
2: Synchronicity is, for instance, when you shuffle the cards and pick one, it's the right message that you need to hear at that moment, right? Mm -hmm. But it could be any time you take a pause and look at a cloud and your message would be in that cloud because we're all connected. So it's the the idea of meaningful coincidence that Carl Jung, he, he came up with the concept. But we see it all the time and I see it so much lately. Do you, Angel? Because it's like more and more and I think it's the type of thing, the more open you are to it, the more... It happens, and the more you notice it in your life, but I mean, these days you could be thinking it, and it comes on the screen, or you know, the, you catch the word, or it's important to notice those things because it means you're in the flow.
1: Absolutely, I I actually work with synchronicity when I go out foraging. I was out foraging before we did this interview today, and went <laughs> through one half of the park and. I was coming out and I was on my way out and I was like, yeah, nothing today. And just in the last like 50 feet, I look off to my left because I could hear the mushrooms they were talking to me um. and there was like seven and a half pounds of hen of the woods <laughs> oh <my laughs> synchronistically <God. laughs> manifested right there for me. Well, All so right. I'm asking you real will, will receive. Exactly. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about where people can find you. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying this show, please consider joining our community, making a donation at wickedlysmartwomen.com and sharing your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content help a gal out and let your sisters mothers daughters friends and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too we are celebrating we just won our 10th and 11th awards so award number 10 was in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. That's the third time we've won that award. And award number 11 was the W3 Awards, and that's the third time we've won that award as well. So we're really celebrating, wanna thank all of our hugely contributory guests who have helped us to be an award-winning show, as well as my team and all of our listeners around the world. I do wanna also celebrate that we are now up to 112 countries. And say a big thank you to those listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. want to shout out this week to our new listeners in Reunion, which is a little island that's in the list in the middle of Indonesia somewhere, and Montenegro. And we will be right back with Amy Cerner. And we are back with Amy Zerner. You can find out more about Amy at amyzerner.com, amyzerner.com. So Amy, what are they going to find when they get to your website? Can people buy clothing directly from you or do they need to go through Bergdorf Goodman for their purchases of your materials, (laughs) of your beautiful?
2: I I do have a whole gallery of my work. I kind of specialize in caftan gowns. So they're very goddessy, one-of-a-kind pieces. I do a lot of evening jackets, so if they can't get to Bergdorf, they can check out my website. And I also have a a lower price limited edition denim jackets and wraps and scarves and bags that have my artwork on them. Beautiful. You know, access to all the books. Monte and I have done many books together, like forty some. And what else is there? Jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> all the things. <laughs> <laughs> all the
1: things. Well you know it's it's so interesting because you have also collaborated with your husband you know you have you on your own have your own art career but you have also collaborated with your husband for many 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 years so you know i think for for some people, I would put myself in that category. It's like a dream come true to have your mate also be your working partner. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I'd it's love nice to have you, you
2: like that. It's nice that you like that idea because some people say, How do you live and work together? And, you know, they can't imagine that. But Yeah. Well, I'm glad you get it. So I think it's a beautiful
1: thing. I think it's, it you know, it it's it just to me, it enriches the whole the whole experience of your life, you're, you're in your own, literally your own enchanted world. Yes. And, and,
2: and you know, we're also each other's cheerleader and a uh, critic. I mean, you know, we edit each other and y- you need somebody that you really trust, you know, whether it's a best friend or whatever, to look at your work and give you some feedback because sometimes we lose perspective on that. But it's also such a psychic thing with us, you know, after it's close to 50 years now that we're together, so it works so well, you know, the back and forth and the flow. And I, I think it does really hone a relationship. It's like, you know, the polished pearl that they always say, you know, the sand, the irritations, all of a sudden, you know, after all this time, it really is precious pearl.
1: Mm, beautiful.
2: Well, and for
1: our listeners who might be contemplating working with their mate, are there things that you know now you know, you've been doing this for many, many years, that if you could go back to your younger self and say, hey, you know, here's something you might want to think about (laughs) relative to working with your husband. You know, do you have any words of wisdom around that?
2: I think, you know, each person should do what they're best at. And we've just always naturally done that. I mean, even down to who does the dishes. I don't ask him to do. That's what he's good at. Cook. In, in terms of our work together, he's so great at all the legal things. I mean, we all have our, our specialties in a way. So, I mean, that's what we're, we're both taking care of that without having ask. And I think when I see relationships like I'm trying to get my husband to do this or that, you know, that's that's not how it works. Really, ideally, um, you want to give the person the ability to use their gifts and encourage that, and by doing that, you get better and better at what you're good at, and it becomes a balance. Mm, um, beautiful. But it also makes, you know, it's made me do things I didn't know I could do, you know, in terms of learning about manufacturing. It's not all fun and games. I mean, you know that. I know you're a hard worker, and so, you know, the, the end result is what you're working towards, but there's a lot of crap that you have to do, you know. I, I mean, In every business, it's like, but you do it because, you know, you're passionate about it and you want to get it to be good. If if you care so much about it, you want it to be as good as it can be.
1: Absolutely. Well, I would, you know, one of the things I'm working on in my own enchanted world, (laughs) because I loved that idea of having your own (laughs) enchanted world. In my own enchanted world, I'm working internally on dismantling this idea of i have to work hard and instead framing it like this is a devotion you know when it's a devotion it's you do the things you just do the things
2: that's that's absolutely right and uh, people say you know why do you work so hard why don't you take a break why don't you take a vacation you know because we love what we do and maybe they don't love what they do, and that's why they look at it that way. But you're right. Work work to me is not a bad thing. It's it's putting your energy into something that you love.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, one of the things that I've also experienced is channeling. I've channeled art, and I've channeled books, and I've channeled a lot of things. And <laughs> for me, when I'm in that zone, I feel nourished. I It doesn't yeah. feel like work. So you're I'd understand. love to have your perspective on like, what do you experience when you are accessing the divine and allowing yourself to be this channel? And, and what are some of the things that you do to keep your channel clear?
2: I think, and I think this is true of Monty in terms of his writing. When I make art, it's an adventure. I don't want to plan it. I want it to be spontaneous. You know, Maybe that's because I have a lot of Aries in my chart. He has a lot of Aquarius, so you don't want to... I don't make a sketch, you know, so for me, it's like, what's going to come through, you know, it's like, I look forward to that. And it's always not what I expect. And it's always more than than I could imagine. You know, so to me, that's what it's like, it's really opening up and opening up it opens your heart. You know, sometimes when you go into the outside world out of your enchanted bubble world. <laughs> when you're open that much, you know, when you're used to channeling, I would say that's the only thing we guard against, you know, that sometimes you have to protect yourself when you go out. You know, you don't want to bring everything in. But when you're in your sanctuary, in your sacred space, which is what an artist needs to create for themselves, whether it's a writer, you need I was just talking to a friend of mine, encouraging them to make that sacred space where you go to create and you go tomorrow to create there. And it's a continuation of the energy. When I go into my studio, it has all the energy of everything I've done there. And that feeds you also.
1: Mm, Beautiful. Well, I want to talk a little bit about this way that you make art, these mixed media fabric collages. I've seen some things on Instagram or Facebook where, like, I look in your studio and there's like a zillion little pieces of fabric everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> what did I get myself into? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I'm curious about how you pull together, you know, resource yourself. Yes. Do you do you go out thrifting? Do you buy fabric? Yeah, it
2: started that way. We have a lot of wonderful local thrift shops. So I started in the seventies, dyeing my own clothes and finding beads and wonderful old things. In those days, you could really find antique things, you know, from from the eighteen hundreds, and they always intrigued me so much. And started using them like paint, you know, in the collage. So I had a limited palette at that time and now it's grown into <laughs> bins and boxes and floor to ceilings you know itemized you know this is sky and this is trees and those are my those are the things that I draw on so when I lay out a blank canvas I start going through my boxes and my files and pulling out things that attract me and things that it's like a diary, you know, where I'm at today, what it's, it's going to signify and what it's going to convey and try to capture that. But it's lots of little pieces, vintage things, things that I paint. I like that too. That's the multi-layering of life to me. I don't like flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't like flat. You are definitely <laughs> multi-dimensional. <laughs>
1: well, I'd like to kind of close with this idea of how art, And making art and being creative also often activates your resourcefulness, right? Because we're taking your in your case, you've taken a lot of found objects and turned it into something exquisitely beautiful that is, you know, maybe selling for thousands and thousands of dollars in a very high end boutique that's magical. That is so magical, Amy. So I want to hear from you, like, where did you learn the resourcefulness? Was, was that always part of your, like, growing up? Was, was... I think it
2: must have been. I, I was very encouraged to be an artist and always had lots of art materials because my mother made her living as an artist. And I always entered contests as a kid. I was always confident as an artist, you know, thinking that's who I was and that's what I wanted to do but I think it's for you know now they call it sustainable art or sustainable fashion but I was doing that since the 70s because and you know, why should this go to waste you know why should it be thrown away why don't people value women's work Lace is just considered you know things that women made you know not valuable it was valuable to me because I could feel the energy of the handwork and I to me that you know the energy comes through the hands it's like a a healing and i think of my art as healing medicine it heals me and hopefully it it conveys that and heals other people too
1: Mm. well i think it definitely does amy and i am so grateful that you and monty both you individually and you and monty together have done just so much you're legendary at this point (laughs) with with what you have done to bring beauty into the world and not just beauty but beauty tied with spiritual awareness and the raising of frequency and consciousness and just you've you're legendary in my mind you are legendary
2: thank you that means so much i appreciate that so much
1: well, I, you know, you were one of my sheroes. You're a, a Shiro hero couple to me. You know, this <laughs> plus you're a Shiro because you somehow managed to manifest a man that works with you rather yeah. than against you. So. I, was, I, I was
2: good at manifesting that, right? <laughs> yes, you you're a good manifester there, Amy. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we are going to have to go. It's been a pleasure as always to spend time with you. Uh, Again, listeners, you can find out more about Amy and acquire some of her magical, healing, beautiful, magnificent art at amyzerner.com. We do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's episode. Go right now to weeklysmartwomen.com to join our community, share your takeaways, ask questions, or submit guest suggestions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman.
0: Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. at wickedlysmartwomen.com.